Hello and welcome back. On today's show, Mark and I are going to try chocolate hummus and a homemade slush. Also, we wanted to play for you a listener comment just about how she's handling sheltering in place. And then finally, we're going to have a special guest on the show talking with us about COVID-19. Stick around because it's coming right up. And welcome back to Snack a Little, Talk a Little. I'm Mark. And I'm Jenna. And let's get to the snack a little part before we get into the serious coronavirus See, stuff. See, this is happy food, I hope. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually not tried chocolate hummus, but I've been very intrigued by it. You like chocolate. I like yes. hummus. <laughs> so. You got your hummus in my chocolate. So I read about this because I'm like, all right, this is one of those things. What do I serve with it? And everything I have here. And by the way, people, you'll see the, the photos on our Facebook page at Snack a Little. There are dried strawberries because it said that's a good thing to dip in there. Dried right. bananas as well as pretzels. And this came from Trader Joe's. So if it's if it's going to be good, it's bound to be good, at least coming from there. Okay, so the like hummus it. came. So did you, did it's you... a Trader Joe's brand. It's a Trader Joe's chocolate hummus. Pre-mixed, right. Okay, so you didn't create I didn't, this. Correct. I didn't hey. do anything to it. So it's not chocolate with garlic hummus. <laughs> I feel a little bit better because I tell you, I didn't know I didn't know what we were going to have today. And, right. And when you did your opening, you said chocolate hummus. I know. You, 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 you should have seen my face. <laughs> but of course, you couldn't see my face because we are... We're all masked Social up. distancing as much as we can. Yes. Uh, and still do the show. So we're yes. sitting about four feet apart, yeah. I think. So there might be a little yeah. violation. Hopefully the... Uh, Neither one of us have sneezed. The police yet. are not outside looking mm-hmm. in the studio window to see that... Uh, so, you, so you could have said that we were six feet apart and nobody would have ever known. Oh, we do show pictures though. Yeah. But who really... Anyway. And look, we keep this show truthful. That's that's true. We do. So it is a dark, a nice dark chocolate wait, look, wait, color. How, how how do I how do I eat this and keep my mask on? You're gonna have to. Am sneak I gonna feed around under the <laughs> under the mask? By the way, also you'll notice to wash it down, we have a cherry limeade vanilla slush. What? What? <laughs> There's no fruit okay. in there that's supposed to clog up what your straw. What is with your tiny straws? There's no fruit in there. This is almost a coffee stirrer. It up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so just drink it straight from the glass then. Oh my gosh, this is the <laughs> Just drink it straight you know, we've, from the glass. We've gone a... These are a different tiny straw. Aren't I'm they? not going to go and buy new straws this, this is the same just because you straws? don't like my old oh straws. My gosh. We're going to use them up. <laughs> oh my I don't know which to start with first. You know, I'm going to actually just you know, pull my mask down to, Go eat, for it. to, to eat this. I'll just hold my breath yeah. for a, a minute or two. <laughs> now, obviously, we're, we're making light of this, but yeah. we, we are both actually being very strict at yes. our own homes and, yep. and jobs and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have a job <laughs> right now, but Jana does. And we're being very strict. And uh, I'm being as strict as I can considering what I can... Keeping in mind that there are a lot of things that are difficult for me to get my hands on, too, like, the, you know, the wipes and the masks and the hand sanitizer. and Right. right. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, and and you know we're we're being we're both being vigilant as much as we can our yes. own ways, and yeah. uh, uh, we don't want to get sick, and we certainly don't want the people around us to right. be sick. So I'm going to take my mask off here. Can you? Does it sound different? It does. Did it really? It does. I didn't really think that there was a difference, but now that it's off, I do notice a little difference. All right. Well, I am starving. So I'm he's going. Gonna... Do you see the little utensil in there? Oh, am I you supposed to even... use it? The... Well, you don't have to, but you have to look. It's a tiny. Don't you spoon. feel like you're at a tea party? <laughs> okay, I. I don't really have a desire to go to a tea party. I'm not a eight-year-old girl. <laughs> I think they're adorable. Oh. Here, okay. I should take a picture First of that adorable more. straw. <laughs> so he tried. So he is going into the the, the strawberry uh, hummus first with the dried freeze-dried strawberry. Okay, the strawberries are not. I don't know. I guess maybe I don't eat ever eat a freeze-dried strawberry. I thought right. it would be crispy, like. Because you have the banana chips on here. Right. And. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you know what? I'm going with that. a banana chip. You know what? Okay. Chocolate on a banana chip? I By the mean... way, the, the chocolate hummus tastes really good. Oh, good. It's like a, it's just, a, it, I, I, I. It's yeah. chocolate, but it's, well, I, I, so it looks a little thicker than like a fudge well, sauce. I think, so. I think we've had hummus on the show before. We have. And we've discussed it, that hummus really is bland. It's the stuff you put in it that makes it. Takes so on this the flavor. Is like, of... This is like a chocolate paste. Yeah. It tastes really good. Oh, I'm so glad. So that's probably going to be great on the strawberries, or I mean the pretzels, too. I, I don't know. Let me just eat some more. Okay. Because, <laughs> well, you know, you got to... So have you tried the... I think it's Hershey's that makes a chocolate spread now. It's not It's not hazelnut chocolate. It is a chocolate spread. Hmm. Like in, the, in fact, it's with the peanut butter. Interesting. And, yeah. And... This kind of reminds me of that, but where the Hershey's chocolate spread has a little bit of a, a, a sheen to it. This, because of the beans that the chocolate is mixed with, like I say, like I know, but I'm assuming it's kind of a, a it's matte, M-A-T-T-E, in case anybody's confused. I don't know. I, <laughs> I've known Charlie Sheen. I've never heard of Matt Sheen. Is that one of the brothers that didn't make it into the... <laughs> But I think that's probably a good thing because it's probably means also, and you know what, I'll take a picture of the ingredient deck, but it's probably not full of a ton of oil. You know, it's and really so, good on the pretzel. I'm just, I bet. Pro probably because sure. of the salt. Yeah, yeah. Chocolate You're going, salt. You can start eating. I'll do that. Wait, should I put up my mask while you take yours down? <laughs> <laughs> Especially if I start to cough and I like spew some pretzel at well, you. Well, and the thing is, if you've seen our pictures, you know we have our microphones and our microphones have windscreen covers and, and a, yes. what we call a pop screen. So as long as we stay behind our pop screens when we're talking to each other, I don't think we're going to yeah. spew spittle on each other. <laughs> spew spittle? Not that, I, <laughs> not that I wouldn't want to at some point, but... but uh, <laughs> So the chocolate, it's kind of a light chocolate to me. And I I, don't, I mean, it's not heavy. It's not as rich as you would think because of the right. color. Because the color it's very makes dark it, color. Right. The color actually makes it look more tasty than it is. Yeah. it's. And I don't mean that as a negative. No, but <laughs> it is. It's milder than you would think because it does look, by looking at this, you would think this is going to be a very dark, rich, fudgy. Right. Um, and, and it is kind of a fudgy texture. It definitely has a different texture than like a, a chocolate truffle. Chocolate truffle oh, right. is like butter and cream and chocolate, and it's right. just melts in your mouth. This, mm. this do, is. Do you have any truffles? Because you're talking about them now. I'm I, hungry. <laughs> I don't, but I make great truffles. Maybe I'll do that for the show sometime. Okay, so I'm going to try the banana. Yeah, Let's I like the I banana because you know, 
I think chocolate and bananas are good, especially chocolate dipped bananas and uh, you know the frozen banana that you get at the store. Mm-hmm. All right, so I like it. I don't know if I'd run out and get it again and think, oh, I'm craving chocolate hummus. But I do like it. I mean, w- would you get this as opposed to? No. Yeah, right? <laughs> so it's not awful. No, look, I am. Uh, so Trader Joe's, I love Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, a little, little side story here. They ran out of chocolate chips the last time I went. I only go mm. to Trader Joe's now every few weeks because I usually stock up on chocolate chips. Well, last time I went there, they were completely out. Wow. And this is when you had to stand in line to get into Trader Joe's. So they were completely out. So actually, yesterday I went to Trader Joe's. I happened to be in the area. I was out doing my weekly shopping. And I said, well, I'm going to stop by Trader Joe's. Their line, and you know our local Trader Joe's, Mm -hmm. Jana knows. Oh, yeah. And for the few people that are our friends that live in the area that know, uh, the line of people spaced out because of social distancing was all the way back, not just to CVS, it was all the way back to the driveway to pull in the back side of that lot. And I just saw that and I said, you know what? It's not worth it. I love Trader Joe's chocolate chips, but I am, I'm not going to do it. So you're totally out? Well, I went to Walmart and I got the Ghirardelli ones. Oh, because oh, <laughs> we know now. <laughs> because because of the test that we did, yeah. the chocolate chip challenge uh, taught me that, you know what? I'll get Ghirardelli and it's about, uh, is it $1.50 or 50 cents more per package? Whatever it is. During these trying times, as the news is telling us. A man's got to do what a man's got to do. You know what? I got to step it up. <laughs> so I like the flavor of the strawberry with the chocolate, but you're right. These are... Um, it's like eating a strawberry sponge. Yeah. The flavor's there, but the right. texture's weird. And yeah, they should be crunchy. Okay, good. I'm glad. Because I, I have seen them before, and they're mm-hmm. usually crunchy, but these... Yeah. It's like we live in Florida, and you're trying something, <laughs> right. and it's all, it's all moist and... Oh. But the flavor is good. I do like the flavor. I'm going to take this smoothie. So what's in this smoothie it's, that I'm going to get a brain hemorrhage from sucking it through the tiny straw? It's um, the jarred cherries. It's a, it's a take on the Sonic mm. um, cherry mm. limeade slush. Mm. So it's um, concentrated lime. Oh, my gosh. It's lemon lime soda. This thing is uh, tart. Let me let me give it a try. It is really tart. I love it. Oh my goodness gracious! That is complete, mm-hmm. and, and, mm. and it's completely different flavor and everything from the. Uh, it is the the snacks that you have here. But man, I like this pretzels with chocolate. I'm gonna put some more on that. There. So uh, yeah, cherry. Lo- so ah. there's a fast. <laughs> what was food- that? Ah. <laughs> there's a fast fade food place here, and I don't know where they come from. So I don't know. Is Sonic also back east? Do you know? I don't know where Sonic's originally from. I, I yeah. So it's fairly new to us still here in our in our neck of the woods, um, but they've been around for a while, and they I've never had it, but they have a cherry limeade slush, and it's pretty popular. And I found not even looking for it since I wasn't aware of it, but because I'm a frequent flyer on Pinterest. <laughs> I happen to have that come across my Pinterest wall, probably because I make a lot of smoothies and maybe they, whatever. Anyway, I was intrigued because it's a copycat recipe. The, the robots know what you do. They do know. Well, I I actually made it 
I tried it and I thought I could make this better by adding vanilla ice cream. So actually it was even more tart and you may have liked it with just without the vanilla ice cream, but I thought the vanilla ice cream would be a nice little, I don't mm. know, mm. a nice little. <laughs> it is great. It is. It's, it is. It very is great. Good. Can we just sit around and drink just this stuff? Drink and, smoothie. And uh, sure. not really do the show. <laughs> We'll just slurp into the uh, microphone. I, I came into the studio so hungry. We were doing our show prep discussions, and my stomach was growling. <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you. Mm. I added one other thing in here. Uh-oh. Cat hair? Maybe. <laughs> I, I already know you don't need to add that. That's just naturally comes in. When you, when you drink it again, you'll know. You're going to be like, that's right. I do taste it. In the drink? Cucumber. Because cucumber and lime are beautiful together. Interesting. Now, I strained it, obviously. Otherwise, you'd have bits of cucumber. Coming through the tiny straw. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it just for you so that it wouldn't clog your straw. <laughs> That's your straw. Don't be putting these straws on me. I'm going go no, to go. But see, you're you know a what? thrifty man. You should be appreciating that I'm not going to go buy more straws when I already have. Yeah, but there's function. I've got at least 100. That, just oh think of how much gosh. you have to look forward to. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You know what I'm doing, folks? I'm going to go to get me a boba tea somewhere, and I'm going to just take that straw and reuse it, because the boba straw is big enough that... Oh, wait a minute. Wait, you have this straw that you can open up. Remember the one that looked yes. very veiny? Yes, I was Yes, I was looking for those. But then I decided, wait, why am I lo looking for where I put them when there's nothing in here that's going to clog the baby straw? There isn't. Uh, I'm just glad you said baby straw, because you finally admitted that it is a tiny straw. I'm only saying that to make you feel better. <laughs> I think that your sucking powers are not very good. <laughs> and we're just going to leave it right there. Because <laughs> that's going, never mind. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know who's blushing more. Whoops. Well, that's a good snack. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to snack on that throughout very the good. show. That yep. was really good. Uh, what we want to get to now is that, you know, as you folks know, if you are a regular listener, and if you're not a regular listener, why not? Yes. We do have a listener line that you can call in if you have any comments on any of our shows. Uh, that number is 909-572-0278. Yes. <laughs> so I'll say that one more time, 909-572-0278. And that's the snacky little listener line. You call in. Uh, it rings a handful of times. Yeah. For some reason, we don't have a control over that. We, we don't, unfortunately. Uh, rings a handful of times, and it gets to a little bright message from Jana and I, and then you can leave your message. Keep it to about two minutes, maybe, because it has cut off a couple. It'll people cut in you the off. Past. So <laughs> yes. But anyway, so if you have any, you know, any any uh, questions or anything, uh, please uh, on our listener line. And we had because you know we have been talking recently because it is such a big subject about the coronavirus and stuff, and we had someone call in. So let's take a listen to that right now. Let's have a listen. This is Trudy Basin. Um, here in Oregon, Lebanon, Oregon, small town, we are having to stay home. My husband and I are both over 68, and so our kids are worried about us. It just drives me nuts because I just don't feel like I'm the elderly, and um, although I don't want to get it, I definitely don't want to get it. So we're gardening. We're big gardeners and um, take a few drives. Because um, we're right near a lot of countryside and stuff, very beautiful place. So it's, we have lots of beautiful things to see. And um, kind of staying out of the stores, we're just careful when we do go to the store. Learning more about computers because I have two great-grands, little boys, and uh, another little boy and little girl, in, about 
an hour away, and the two little boys are about 20 minutes away. So this last week, our kids tried to get us to get on Marco Polo. Don't know if you know what that is. Number one, you look really, really bad, and you're looking at yourself, and it's really scary. (laughs) Number two, it worked really well a few times, and then all of a sudden, it didn't work, which is my experience with computers. But today, after two tutorials, I think I have it right. So I sent um, a uh, video to the kids. I have my daughter and her husband and my granddaughter and her husband and two little boys that all live together um, about 20 minutes from us. And so um, they answered me back, gave me great tips. Good job, Grandma. I think we're all doing pretty good. If you don't listen to the news too often, you got to stay abreast of what's going on with all of this. But if you just are really cautious and don't listen to the news all day long, you know, you can avoid that panic freaking feeling. And uh, we'll all get over this. We'll we'll get through it. There you go. Well, thank, nice. thank you, Trudy, for calling in. That was, that was a Thanks, good, Trudy. good message. And, uh, you know, I, I can't agree with her more that, that, you know, as long as you don't watch too much of the news and get buy into that. But the technology, as she said, she's her and her husband are older folks, and uh, she had to learn a little bit of I technology. Mean, I mean, that's not that old. <laughs> no, no, but she had to learn the technology. So you know, so she got to learn something new. And uh, I've actually been up in that area of Oregon, and it is a beautiful area. And uh, so, you know, it could connect, be worse. Connecting, connecting with her family that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and and learning new technology. Right. You know, it's always a. Uh, I always like when I older folks are learning new technology. I, I do too. Yes. And by older folks, I mean myself. Sometimes I have to <laughs> learn a little more on the technology. So tell me. So he's taking another sip of the slush. Mm. Do you taste mm. the, that hint of cucumber? No, it's it. You know what? The tartness of it. I'm loving it. it it's, it's great. It is, See, I totally fully taste the cucumber because seriously. Oh, now I do. That's now an do. entire cucumber. Now, if I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think about it. It's a beautiful combination. It just. I just thought. You know what? Lime and cucumber, and I don't think the cherry, I think it's going to be great. And thankfully, it is. <laughs> now, the thing, so have you ever, anything changed for you in the COVID thing? Any new stories? No. No? No. I, I have. Same old Well, stuff. As, as I mentioned, I went out shopping, uh, you know, my weekly shopping. And, you know, I see people in our area. Everyone's, uh, you know, we're here in inland Southern California Everyone's required to wear masks, and I see most people have masks. Um, almost everyone, mm-hmm. almost everyone. In fact, the, but what cracks me up? This is not the first time. I only go out once a week to get my shopping done for the regular, you know, milk, cheese, and chocolate chips, you know, the necessities. Yeah, right. Uh, mm-hmm. I see mothers. I have seen two different mothers in the last couple of weeks pushing a child in the stroller, a toddler, and the, the child has no protection at all. That's and I'm crazy. like, the mother does. Yeah, I'm like I I don't understand that. I don't understand why that's a that's a thing. And then I had to go to Home Depot, and of course they have lines to get in there as well. And you know people say, and I think I mentioned that on the show before, and, and posted pictures of that there was a lady that was uh, overweight, mm-hmm. which is part of the you know if we want to generalize, right. that's part of the poor health people right. that need to be even more careful. Yep. She was in an electric cart. I don't know if it was a Home Depot cart or her own. I, that, that detail was not important to me. She kind of got in my way as I was walking. And the reason is she was on her phone while driving her electric cart, which is bad enough because she wasn't paying attention and almost hit me. 
She had a mask on, Jenna, but she had it pulled down below her chin. Oh, kind of like her. Because <laughs> she, <laughs> she had her phone as yeah. if yeah. the mask was going to muffle completely. the. You know, right. phones nowadays are unbelievable mm-hmm. on how it sounds. But she had her mask in public, pulled down, driving through, talking on a phone, driving through Home yeah. Depot that was not crowded, but there was there was a lot of people in Home Depot. Yeah, a lot you'd, of people you'd doing think that. it could wait. And that just, I just couldn't believe that. In fact, I nearly I nearly took my camera out to take a picture of it for the show, but then I thought, no, nah, that might get into a big fight somewhere or someone. Then well, you know, it. so it's interesting that you mentioned that because. Um, as our regular listeners will know, a couple times we have touched on um, supermarket etiquette. Right. And before all of this happened, I wanted to have another one because I was really annoyed because here we, there we were, here we still are, cold and flu season. And I would say maybe 1% of the people, and I'm in the 1%, actually use the wipes with before you, and I don't know if this is common everywhere, but I'm assuming at least here in the States and hopefully everywhere. You usually have wipes now when you first walk into the grocery store so that you can wipe down your cart. And I see hardly anybody doing that still. <laughs> now, supposedly at this point, and I have seen it at Trader Joe's, I haven't noticed it at the larger grocery stores, but supposedly there's somebody that's washing them down or sanitizing them. Well, I got to tell you, so I went to Costco, mm-hmm. which I do not do every week. I only do that every couple of months because, you know. Once you get a five-gallon bucket of mayonnaise, how much more do you need? <laughs> that's, that's I went true. to Costco because I did need to get uh, some bacon and, you know, b- bulk bacon. And oh, what else did I have? Anyways, I, had my, I had my list. I stick with the list most of the time. And I grabbed a cart, and it was wet. <laughs> hey, Pardon see? me. Isn't it great? There's Janet <laughs> do, do, doing the sound effects. Isn't it great to yeah. get that in there? Uh, anyway, the cart was had a little bit of wetness on it. And I was right away, I was just like, but I looked around, here's a Costco guy there with a spray can, I mean, a spray bottle, like a weed sprayer type of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he is spraying down all the carts. Oh, good. So people are, okay, somewhere somebody's doing it. So at at Costco, at least at our local Costco there, they're actually disinfecting the entire cart, it appeared, before taking it in. And uh, I appreciated that. And I thought that was great. Wait, 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 what was that for? Taking it in? <laughs> so anyway. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, before the show gets totally off the rails here, let's let's get back into some serious talk about coronavirus. Yep. Uh, uh, Jana, I think uh, you have a guest for us today. As a matter of fact, I do. And right now, we're bringing in Dr. David Smalley. We're so honored to have him on the show today. Are you there, Dr.? Yes. Hello, how are you doing? Welcome, welcome to the show. It's good to be with you. So there's so much going on right now (laughs) in the world. And um, we wanted to get your opinion about a a few things that are going on with coronavirus. But I just wanted to let people know. So you are an orthopedic surgeon. You retired in 2010. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And uh, so... You worked mostly in the uh, in California, or have you worked um, in different states? Where all where, where's your yeah, residency? I, I, my active practice was in uh, Riverside, California. I was uh, at Riverside Community Hospital for 30 years with the same orthopedic group right across the street, uh, community 
medical group and sport clinic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was trained at Ohio State, so I did uh, my orthopedic uh, residency at Ohio State and uh, actually Riverside Methodist Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. So uh, now, did you were you living there just for to go to school, uh, or so did you? What I'm trying to say is, did you figure at some point you would end up practicing in Southern California? Was that the plan all along? Uh, actually, good question because my wife and I both are from Southern California, so we we kind of knew eventually we'd probably come back, but we didn't know for sure uh, where. Uh, practice would would end up being but uh fortunately we found riverside and it's been uh it's been a good uh, place for our family very good so uh you know you and i have spoken a little bit off off air and i wondered about your thoughts about coronavirus uh no, now i know that you're not or i assume you're not treating any patients but you're certainly going to have a better understanding i would think about some of the things that we hear um Cer- certainly the- more than we do we're certainly. just lay people who follow the news yes well yeah i've i've been keeping track of it actually as part of my orthopedic uh training uh we had uh a lot to do with infectious disease, mainly to keep our patients away from uh, bacteria as well as viruses. And and so I, I do have a lot of experience with uh, uh, various aspects of infectious disease. And so I, I've been uh, following the virus, uh, specifically the disease that it causes, the novel coronavirus causes COVID, which is the name of the disease that it causes COVID-19. So there, so it's and not the same thing. One thing causes the other thing. It's not, it doesn't. Correct. Oh. Correct. The, the actual name of the virus that who, uh, the WHO came up with was SARS, S-A-R-S, and then C-O-V-2, uh, which means that it's the second novel corona virus that has come out mm-hmm. and causes SARS, which is severe acute respiratory disease. Uh, that's what SARS stands for. So that's the name of the virus. And then the name of the disease that it causes is COVID-19, C-O-V-I-D-19. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, okay, so gosh, I've got all these questions. I'm so glad that we'll this to, is something that you, them. I'm so glad that this is something that you <laughs> do have a better understanding than I do. You know, it's frustrating because there is so much information and it appears misinformation. And one day I'm up and I'm thinking, yes, it's getting better. And the next day I'm thinking, we're not getting better. Where are we at? When will things change? And so I you know, go ahead. That's that's a great question because, yeah, there is uh, some misinformation out there. And, and a lot of the initial and ongoing misinform- misinformation is coming from China. Yes. They are uh, purposely engaging in disinformation. And uh, one of the bright spots actually just came out yesterday or this morning. The Department of Homeland Security did a study and actually looked at the survival of the virus sunlight. And they figured out that the virus uh, has a half-life of only 
three minutes in in uh, in direct sunlight and or increased increased temperatures and increased humidity the the virus does not uh, last very long we've been told uh, that it lasts uh, five to seven days on metal surfaces and cardboard and things like that so that's why we've been told to do all the cleaning and you know surface cleaning right. and that sort of thing and that's and that's probably true in dark areas but in sunlight the half-life of three minutes is very short in other words it's gone within a few minutes uh, in sunlight that's that's good news and that, that really and there was news. some thinking that that might be the case well I thought it had more to do with temperature but I've also read that we're actually instead of instead of keeping every, ourselves hold up at home that it's actually better if you're out there and in the sun and that's very interesting uh, and, you know, and a we, relief we do need uh, we do need vitamin d we need vitamin c we need all, a balance of uh, uh, of our nutrition and that certainly helps our immune uh, capabilities if our immune systems are down because we're uh, vegging all the time inside uh, and uh, yeah, that creates problems for our immune system. So uh, it is very important to keep a balanced diet uh, with uh, lots of fruits and vegetables to to help uh, our immune system be as strong as it can be. Sure. So no no brownies every night. <laughs> Wait a minute. What? Why did the... <laughs> Why did Jana look directly at me when she said no brownies every night? What? I feel like I'm being personally attacked here. <laughs> I, you know, I, so I don't typically yeah, keep my those. My wife would quarrel with that one too. <laughs> I don't typically keep that kind of thing around here because if it was here, I would eat it. And um, lately, that's the thing I've been craving. I haven't given into it yet. So sometimes I think, you know what, maybe your body knows better. Maybe it knows that I need a brownie right now. Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> in my mind, chocolate chips, especially the dark chocolate chips that I eat, they're a part of helping my immune system. In my mind. It may be uh-huh. a psychosomatic thing, doctor. I'm, I'm doing some <laughs> self, self-diagnosis here. But as long as I have a steady stream of chocolate chips, I'm okay. He's not kidding. <laughs> He's really not. Mark eats it regularly. So here's here's this big question that I've got, and I cannot find the answer. I don't know if we know the answer. You know, when, so when we first, gosh, my, my doesn't it seem so long ago when we first started hearing about COVID-19? It seems like forever ago. Um, I, there was the thought that, and the hope that, as is typical for a lot of viruses, when it does warm up, they go somewhere. But yet they're also telling us that, well, now that it's here, it's probably like other flu bugs and we do our best when cold and flu season is coming around to try and figure out which is going to be the one that would be the the most beneficial vaccine to give people. I'm wondering, where does it go? If it dies from the heat, well, then how can it come back? then it's not dead. Uh, that's a great question. And it's like all the other viruses. There's usually human reservoirs as well as animal reservoirs. That's why uh, some of the influenza viruses are called uh, swine flu or uh, canine or equestrian flu, uh, flus. So all, uh, 
and, and in fact, a big uh, reservoir for uh, influenza A is uh, uh, waterfowl or birds, oh. um, specifically ducks and uh, shorebirds are uh, big reservoirs for influenza A. We don't know a lot about the novel coronavirus, uh, the Wuhan virus, because it's uh, uh, new. And right. so we're still in the process of learning. But we do know that it came from horseshoe bats. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's part of the misinformation that China perpetuated. Horseshoe bats were not sold in the seafood market, the wet seafood market in Wuhan. Right. Uh, but they did come from about six hundred four to six hundred miles away and were imported into the Wuhan uh, virology lab in Wuhan and they were experimenting on horseshoe bats. Mm-hmm. And we know that because of some of the documents that the uh, lab uh, director was doing and uh, her publication was uh, retracted by the Chinese Communist Party. And then they also tried to deflect uh, attention from the virology lab uh, to the seafood market, which was a complete lie just because uh, the wet market had nothing to do with it. Uh, There were at least one-third of the cases that uh, the initial 100 cases uh, one-third of them had no contact at all with uh, the seafood market in, in Wuhan. So the, the market does not explain it at all. Right. And that's why a lot of people are now uh, re-raising the question and, and uh, trying to get uh, China to come clean with what, um, what they know. But we don't know if they'll ever do that. Yeah, they're not really uh, known for for <laughs> coming clean. Now, you were you right. were mentioning how things like influenza A and everything is is uh harbored in waterfowl. Does that mean are you saying that uh the waterfowl get it from humans then they hold it for the whole season until the next the next year? Is that what you're saying? Uh, reservoirs of viruses just means that sometimes the animal or the human carries it but doesn't even uh, have a disease. And so, no, the birds don't get it from humans. They can, uh, but that it's, it's just a reservoir in the birds themselves. And uh, same thing with the coronavirus. It's, a, it's something the bats have, and they may not even be ill from it. Uh, but just they, they carry it. Uh, we have bacteria and viruses all over our body, and we don't even, uh, we're not even aware of it. Right. Uh, in fact, there's more bacteria and viruses on and around our body, on and in our bodies, than the, the numbers are higher than the numbers of cells that we have, just as an example. So it's, uh, we're, we're kind of a living, breathing organism that is very complicated. So you're talking about like uh, an asymptomatic uh, carrier, because that's kind of what's in the news nowadays, is there's a lot of people that may have the virus, but they don't have any symptoms, and it's not affecting them in that way. But they may be, as Correct. you say, a carrier of it over 
over the length of a season, over the summer, let's say. Correct. And that's also consistent with uh, a, a very recent uh, study in Santa Clara County, California, that uh, Jana pointed out to me. Uh, and they came out with uh, uh, about 3% of their population has antibodies to the novel coronavirus of their 2 million residents in Santa Clara County, California. So that's as of uh, uh, relatively recent. Of course, that can change. The the number can change uh, within a few weeks. And that number can also be different in different locations. Uh, But uh, that just kind of gives us an idea that there's, there's actually quite a few people out there that are asymptomatic that are when you think um, about the percentage, have it or have had it. When you think about the percentage. They say the first large-scale community test, and it was thirty-three hundred people in Santa Clara. They they say mm-hmm. that it's two point five, uh, or as much as four point two of the individuals tested positive for antibodies. It doesn't sound like that much to me. I mean, if you were telling me I was only getting two percent of a certain amount of money, I'd think, well, that's not very much. But when you consider that they thought that it might be about a thousand people, or what I think it is a thousand people that have been tested so far to be positive, this instead says that it's more like forty-eight to eighty-one thousand of that. What is it? Two two million or however many people? Two million people. Yeah. That when you yeah, look so at that, the number, that is that a lot way, of cases. It is. And the the problem is with this virus, it is probably more deadly than an influenza virus. Uh, and it's also probably more contagious. Uh, some some of the things that have come out of China give us little glimpses of, of things that help us understand the severity or the nature of it. For example, early on, I think this was in February, uh, there's a paper that came out of Wuhan, China. Uh, the doctor that did it... Uh, Uh, was looking at the ICU patients and the patients in his hospital, in the main Wuhan Central Hospital, that had pneumonia. Mm -hmm. And there were 138 patients. And of those 138, uh, nearly, uh, I think it was 41%, either were medical workers or were uh, hospital-acquired infections. Uh, and the reason why I think this is credible is that if they'd said one or two, you know, we could say, okay, yeah, that's probably not not right. But that high of a percentage, and he acknowledged that 29% of that 41% uh, were medical workers, that probably was truthful. Mm-hmm. It could have been higher than that, but uh, that means that those medical workers, even though they were taking precautions uh, were and, and had all the protective equipment, uh, they were still getting it. So that means that that virus is very, very contagious. And uh, also some of the other misinformation that's come out of China was they were telling everybody, uh, oh, you don't, it's not human to human transmission. Well, that was clearly shown to be false yes. um, before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Yet the, the Chinese Communist Party, as well as the WHO, were telling people that it wasn't transmissible until mid-Jul- 
mid-January or the end of January. Right. Right. Well, this paper that I'm talking about with 138 patients, that came out February 7th. And that just gave, gave me a little insight to, yeah, this is, this is a real problem. <laughs> and they were recognizing it. And uh, uh, so we, we do need to have precautions. We do need to be careful. Obviously, uh, at, at some point in time, uh, this is going to go away. And uh, I don't think it's going to take that long uh, for it to go away. Uh, if we look at the first coronavirus that came out, the SARS yes. uh, number one, that virus came out in China as well, although that one came out in Beijing. And people in Beijing still remember that. They still have <laughs> a lot of respect for the viruses. They think that that one may have come from the uh, virology lab in, in Beijing, uh, and then that's why the Chinese Communist Party built the P4 uh, level lab in Wuhan. That one, that lab was finished in 2015. And uh, since then, uh, there have been a number of countries, uh, including the United States, that have tried to help them, uh, and Canada as well, tried to help them with their virology lab. But then... Uh, two years ago, uh, our intelligence uh, 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 services had some serious concerns with the safety of the, what what they were doing in Wuhan with the uh, P4 level lab. Yes, uh, they were not uh, very safe, and they didn't have the staff there that uh, should have been required to keep it safe. You know, you'd think they would have learned the the first time. <laughs> so it does make you wonder. Obviously, there are all kinds of rumors around. I heard something last night on the news, and the, I don't remember who the news person was, but they said that they kind of interpret what's, what we're finding out about China, not that it's about world domination necessarily. It's just that they were too embarrassed about such a huge mistake that they're just trying to cover their tracks because it's this huge, stupid mistake that's... I don't know, like you've said, I don't know that we'll ever know the answer to it. Um, well, you know, that's that's like saying, well, there's a bombing in Pearl Harbor, but we don't know the intent of the Japanese. True. <laughs> Good <Right>. point. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, why assume with the Communist Chinese Party, with their open declarations, they want to dominate the world? They've, they've said that. Uh, then why would we keep saying, okay, it's 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 not biowarfare? Okay, uh, we don't know their intentions. And yeah, maybe they don't really excuses. mean it. <laughs> yes, we're just doing we're just doing their bidding when we do that. But if you realize that the Chinese Communist Party um, let the Wuhan people travel internationally Absolutely. after this was known. They were traveling internationally just before the lockdown, yeah. yet they'd already locked down the Wuhan population from going elsewhere right, in Right, within China. the country, yes. Yeah, you're With right. International right. travel, they left open, and they left it open for several weeks. So a lot of people uh, left, and that's how 
it spreads so easily to the to the world. So I wonder if the people um, know the people that were that flew here. I wonder if they knew. So it's, it's okay. So if we're going with the idea that yes, it is about world domination, I wonder if China knew what they were doing, and if but if the people were, you know, <laughs> expendable. We're yeah, we're we're still we're still learning a lot of that. Uh, unfortunately, there's there's still a lot of unknowns, but uh, the facts speak uh, <laughs> what what they did. The facts speak pretty well, and at the same time. Both in January and February, the Chinese uh, uh, government was hoarding the protective um, That's uh, right. devices, the yes, masks, yes. and everything else. They produced 50% of the N95 masks that medical workers use. But then they were also sending their agents out to all of the other countries and purchasing the masks and sending them back to China. In January and February, they were still hoarding all the stuff, and uh, that's why <laughs> that's why the shortages. Right. And they were literally leaving the world exposed to the virus with no protective equipment. Which is, uh, if that doesn't show intent, nothing else will. True. So. You know, and in general, we don't necessarily get into politics on our show, but it, it seems that this blends into it somewhat, especially from what you're saying. There is, you're saying there is clear intent on uh, the Chinese Communist Party somewhere on this. What do you think about the connection to the World Health Organization in the sense that in mid-January, early to mid-January, when the World Health Organization said this was not transmitted from person to person, and then afterwards it seemed like they were parroting some of the Chinese... Uh, Communist Party talking points. They were saying how great the Chinese were, how great, how well they'd taken care of this and, and, and mitigated it in their country. And we should clarify for anybody listening, we're talking about the Chinese government. Uh, we're not talking right. about the the people that are... Right. But the World Health Organization, I mean, I've seen the clips of the, the head of the World Health Organization saying these things do you think that's ignorance on his part, or do you think that there's some kind of uh, political influence? Uh, no, we know that there's political influence. Uh, they've shown their true colors over and over again. Uh, not just uh, Tedros, the leader, uh, other uh, people at the HMO, at the uh, WHO, uh, WHO, are doing the same thing and doing literally the bidding of the Chinese uh communist party wow yeah. you know the the one good thing i think that i'd like to see coming from this is that we will bring uh, business back to the states and actually other countries that they're going to think the same thing oh we need to bring some of this back home right so that we're yeah. not so that we're not relying on other countries for yes. for our uh, ppe and stuff like that and, and medications yeah yeah, Correct. I mean, when you know, if so, I'm not a business person, but I mean, I understand that apparently it is cheaper to have something, a book printed in China, for example, or to have the medication um, come from China. But look at how much this is costing. So, you know, I mean, really, in the long run, <laughs> maybe it's better to bring it back home and it creates jobs, doesn't it? Correct. <laughs> well, Absolutely. wow. So, so based, doctor, based on you know your 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 vast experience and things like this, uh, 
how do you think the country is is uh, handling it? And and I'm not necessarily again I'm not trying to make this political. Unfortunately, it falls into that. Because from my perspective, and again, I'm just a layman that is a news hound and watches a variety of news, that you can't really treat this as a country. It has to be treated either by state or by smaller regions because, I mean, New York is New York City is especially a very populated area, very condensed population, and they've had a you know tremendous outbreak. But someone in, in and this is a, fictional town that I use often when I'm making these examples, Oak Stump, Nebraska, that has a population of 500 people, They why did they have to have the same mitigation practices as somewhere like New York City? Am I correct in that? Well, in some ways, yeah. Uh, if you look at Riverside County as just an example, we have a lot of uh, places in Riverside County that are uh, very sparsely populated, um, yet uh, a lot of those little places, whether it's Anza out uh, in the Tulis, uh, <laughs> hinterlands, uh, or whether it's uh, Victorville in the high desert, or every uh, every little place has uh, little pockets of these of these cases, and sometimes they come from. Um, uh, the larger cities. I, I noticed when Riverside County first started, most of the cases were out in Indio and yes. Palm Desert. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but then uh, gradually Riverside has become the epicenter of Riverside County and probably just because so many people travel through Riverside or mm-hmm. come and go from Riverside. So uh, the city of Riverside has 14 deaths now and the cases uh, that are documented in the city are uh, 407 as of yesterday. So that's a 3.4% uh, death rate, uh, the cases. And that's a little higher than the countywide rate, which is 2.8. So, uh, but it didn't start out that way. Uh, so, again, it's a contagious virus. We do need to be cautious with it. But then uh, at some point, uh, we are going to be able to uh, go back to normal life. And we just don't know whether it's going to be a few weeks or a month or two. You know, they are, they they talk every day about some of the different, uh, what do I want to say, medication or prescriptions that doctors kind of have permission to use, but only if the patient asks, or that's the impression that I get, which is strange to me, Um, because isn't it their job to listen, we got to throw everything at this since we don't have a vaccine yet. So I'm not, I'm not understanding why it is. And I'm going to, nobody wants to talk about it if, because it makes them mad. But for example, hydroxychloroquine, my understanding is that yes, doctors can prescribe that, but they have to use the the um, generic brand, and it's approved or it's it's given the 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 green light by the FDA, but it kind of isn't because it's still going through trials, and I it's so confusing. What, what's your opinion on that, doctor? Yeah, it's it's very confusing because so many voices are saying things that they have no idea what they're talking about. And so you have to 
um, consider the source, first of all, and look for good sources of information. But hydroxychloroquine has been around for 30, 40 years at least, and uh, is well tolerated in lupus patients. Uh, it's also a, a malaria preventative drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the risks of it are very, very low. Uh, rheumatologists that use it on lupus patients which is an autoimmune disorder, they don't even check EKGs. Uh, they, they prescribe it, and, and these are patients that take it for long periods of time. Yes. So the short courses are very well tolerated. Of course, if you have a cardiac patient, you know, the doc may want to check an EKG, uh, but, you know, and that's mainly because of all the hype now of the risks. Right. that the media has stirred up, but hydroxychloroquine is a very well-tolerated drug and the risks are very, very low. Uh, the benefits are potentially very, very good, but uh, until controlled trials are, are done, uh, we don't know exactly um, the rates of, of benefit for hydroxychloroquine, although... We have a lot of studies with hundreds of patients that do show improvement. And so there's, it's not just anecdotal. Anecdotal means a few cases here and a few cases there. Mm-hmm. So it's not just anecdotal evidence. It is uh, what, what is called trial evidence. And uh, hundred, uh, thousands of docs, hundreds of thousands uh, of prescriptions have been prescribed and of the docs that have been pulled by uh, people around the world, uh, 70% think that uh, hydroxychloroquine has a real value. So that's, very that's why it's careful to listen to correct sources and people that are not turning it into a political game. Yes. Now I see. I see various. Uh, now one other thing. One other thing I should explain though too is that hydroxychloroquine has not been approved by the FDA for, for this indication COVID. because yes. it lacks the controlled uh, randomized trials. Uh, but off-label use of a lot of things is, is done normally by doctors all the time. Mm-hmm. Off-label use means that the jury is still out. And for some things, uh, the jury stays out just because there's not enough patients to actually do random controlled trials uh, for all the potential indications. So uh, off-label use has been around for uh, many, many years, probably th- the whole time I've been in practice, uh, which is 30, 40 years. Right. That, you know, when I hear different doctors say i would take it if i had it i would take it now i've heard you're supposed that that the thought is that people need to start taking hydroxychloroquine sooner not later that there's a point when maybe it's not as um successful although we still don't really know right because there's there's certainly been anecdotal things of people that's true that they feature on the news a person that was felt like they were dying they go into the hospital they get the combination of 12 hours later uh, hydroxy and and uh the z-pack yeah and they're fine so it's we just don't know but 
yeah, there's there's many things that are being tried, which is a good thing. If if yes. uh, the government is telling us to just to try one thing and one size fits all, that is never a good idea. Mm-hmm. So many trials are being done. There's also uh, not only uh, azithromycin or ZPAC is being used in combination, but also zinc is being used in combination. Um, vitamins uh, A, D, and C are also being used. Uh, there's also antibody testing. Uh, antibody plasma is being tested right now, uh, which is... Uh, 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 a little risky just because it's a trans it's a blood transfusion, but uh it it has a lot of hope. Uh, so uh, a vac- and there's also so I have a question about that. which is an antiviral uh mm-hmm. medication. Although I have an interesting uh obvers- observation from that initial Chinese study that I mentioned before, and by the way, the virologist that I mentioned the doctor that described those 138 patients in Wuhan, China, was trained at UCLA. Oh. So we know he was well-trained, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't know how good the rendesmavir was that he was using. It was uh, uh, made in China, and we know that some of the components made in China are probably okay, and we know that... Uh, their quality control may not be okay in all circumstances. So it was interesting to me that they were touting that they were using rendesmavir early on in those 138 patients, but they found no effect. Oh. So was the was their version of their antiviral drug um, contaminated, or was it no good? Right or are they lying? Was it actually, or or is it actually uh, not effective? If it was effective, I think they would have said that because oh. you know they're trying to tout their, you know. You're right. Their, Be the ones to their greatness. Came, yeah, yeah. Right, right. So because they said it had no effect, uh, I'm I'm not so sure that those trials are all that effective. Now, one other thing that people need to remember is that we really don't want to do controlled trials now in the midst of a pandemic because that means you have to give a placebo to some of the patients that may be really <laughs> sick. Or right. if you give a placebo to a patient and he ends up dying, how are you going to feel about that? Right, right. right. That's true. So that's why controlled trials in the middle of a pandemic are not a good idea. So some of the people that are talking about that <laughs> yes. and asking for that, they're asking for people to knowingly mm-hmm. uh, be willing to die yeah. because right. of to spin the wheel, that. spin the wheel of fortune. Yep. And unfortunately, yeah, that's that seems to be where where politics are coming in because you know it just depends on who is in office and where your your. Uh, Loyalty lies, and then sometimes, yeah, people need to sit back and take a breath and think. Yeah, it actually seems like there's some people that, that, it seems like there's some people that want this to continue because it's making the the current administration look bad if it continues, and and they're kind of against some of these uh, drugs just because, for instance, the president mentioned them. (laughs) Yeah. It and it's like that. that, that it's well, like I, to... I'm I'm for saving everyone, regardless of who mentions them. Yeah, 
if if you if you think that the left always wants chaos, uh, you'll understand. Mm-hmm. And so you have to consider the source, and then it, everything makes sense. So I'm okay. So, so eventually, I mean, the, ultimately, we want a vaccine. A vaccine, isn't it? The it's not just um, medication, right? Is aren't they basically like an antibody or the plasma? Aren't they kind of um, in putting a little bit of the the flu into you so that you have less of a reaction if you were to get it? Yeah, the purpose of the vaccine is to give you um, either uh, an attenuated or uh, or de- or dead virus that your body still acts towards and creates antibodies against. So that's what a vaccine is. And and but, so that goes but, in line with the herd immunity. Although... Correct. Interesting. So a, a vaccine is a long ways off, even though uh, there's a lot of people working on it, and, and they think that they'll probably uh, be less than a year, year and a half, in, in the making. Yes. But there's a lot we don't know. Did we need a vaccine for SARS, uh, the, the first coronavirus from Beijing, China? No, we didn't need it. Right. Uh, because it died out. Yeah. And why did it die out? Well, there wasn't a, a viable reservoir for that virus. That's why it died out. So if this one doesn't have a reservoir that is ongoing, it will die out too. But we don't know that yet. Yeah, that, That's still a work in progress, whether uh, there will be an ongoing reservoir or not. And if there's a reservoir, for example, from humans to cats, uh, <laughs> You, know, you just said dogs, that. You should have seen the expression, the, birds. the expression on uh, Jana's those, face when you just said that. Those are potential reservoirs <laughs> that we uh, could worry about, but we just don't know yet. The, the, the expression on Jana's face when you just said that, because she has cats. She was like, oh my gosh, my <laughs> cats are going to kill me. <laughs> well, we, we thank you for all that input there, Doctor. Uh, we wanna, we're going to switch gears here now because we want to talk about your book because yeah. we don't want to keep you know, everything on this uh, coronavirus. It's let's, very scary and everything. Let's also talk about your book. So let's talk about your book. Uh, Jan- called The Miracle of Pain. Uh, yeah, that, that was a work in progress. I actually started that book uh, over 20 years ago because I knew that I wanted to preserve a lot of things I was learning as an orthopedic surgeon uh, before I'd pass on. I, I knew I, I, I knew I wouldn't live forever and and a lot of my patients ask me, well, you ought to put some of this stuff down in a book because I, I've never, how come nobody has ever told me this stuff before? Mm-hmm. And they were asking me that because uh, they were dealing with chronic pain and they were dealing with issues that didn't need medication. They didn't need surgery, but I just figured out what they had, told them what to do and not to do. And they came back and they said, yeah, I mean, within a few weeks, they were doing much better. And a lot of them, including a sister-in-law of mine, uh, went off of her medication. She was on, um, 
she was on tramadol, which is a, a synthetic mm. opiate, right. opiate, um, and didn't realize that it was an opiate. And this was a academic institution in Minnesota that prescribed it for her. And she didn't realize that she was addicted to it. And so that's one of the things that I did. As I explained to her what she had, she didn't need surgery. She did need to pay more attention to what she was doing and not doing that was controlling and affecting the pain. And so after explaining all that, which took some time, uh, she ended up doing fine. She ended up staying off of her medication and having uh, minimal uh, or rare pain. And she knows now that she, okay, if she stays on the computer too long, she can still get into trouble, but sure. uh, she just avoids that. She's and she's doing fine. So, all the stories that help people understand their pain, whether it's musculoskeletal, or whether it's from other sources, other sources uh, can have some of the same principles. But if we mask the pain, or we always are trying to cover up our pain, we're not going to learn from it. Do you th- that's do you th- really one of the big keys is to learn from our pain, what helps, what doesn't help, and uh, pay attention to it. Uh, because if we don't, if we just mask it, uh, that's one of the big potential problems to having chronic pain. And do you think that the body can heal itself when we treat it properly, um, strengthen the right muscles, or does it sometimes, or can it only sometimes... Um, compensate by strengthening other muscles? Do you, I, I hope I'm explaining that well. Good, Sometimes it can't no, heal itself. Good question. Is that... good question. A lot of people ask that. Okay. But uh, yeah, many times the body heals itself way more uh, than we give it credit for. Uh, if you think of an 80-year-old with a hip fracture, that's a big bone. Right. Yet most of the time, 80, 90% of the time, it heals just fine. Right, uh, and so some of the thirty thirty year olds that came into my office and and asked me, "Well, my tennis elbow won't it ever heal? Am I getting too old?" And I just laughed at him and I said, "If you're getting too old, then I'm in real trouble because <laughs> I was way older than they were." <laughs> so a lot of our th- a lot of the things that we have will heal if we just put them in the right circumstances and give them a chance to heal. Uh, some of the 80-year-olds that had trouble healing their hip fracture because they weren't doing what they were supposed to do, I had to hurt them into the right places and help them understand that the choices that they were making were directly affecting the healing process. And so it was it was a matter of teaching them and reassuring them and guiding them. But could I do that to 100% of the patients? Well, no, there's always a few of us that want to do our own thing, unfortunately. True. And so I couldn't make everybody behave. (laughs) (laughs) So what what you're saying from their stories in your book, uh, which is, of course, entitled The Miracle of Pain, you're saying the miracle of pain is that it's telling you what you need to stop doing, right? Exactly. We learn that early on as a child with the stove, don't we? Right. Yet, uh, if we don't learn, then we're in real trouble. 
And some of the patients that have trouble learning are those that have decreased feeling, like a diabetic in their legs or sometimes in their hands. Uh, or people with leprosy, for example. There's many conditions that have the same problems, but leprosy also has a tendency for uh, problems with amputations just because they have decreased feeling. You know, there, one of the things um, I was reading up on your book, and one of the things that you talk about is a simple tool is just knowing when to use ice versus heat. I'm so glad that you addressed that because that is a confusing one. I've had different, uh, I don't know if it's bursitis or what, but I've had different um, issues with shoulder pain through the years. And it seems to come on for no reason that I can identify. There's nothing memorable. And I've never known, should I be using heat? Should I be using cold? So then I end up trying both and alternating and, you know. I don't even know if it helps in the long run if, or if it just eventually or the psychosomatic goes away. thing. You, you think, know. oh, it's, I'm I'm putting heat on it so it, it feels better because people well, told me it's well, supposed usually, to. It usually takes a couple of days, but <laughs> I don't know how much because I don't know if I'm treating it properly and I'm too stubborn to go to the doctor. <laughs> well, some of these things are simple, and some of these these things we should be able to use without going to the doc. But really, the key is is if you have a an acute injury and acute swelling, in other words, if it's within the first 24, 48 hours, ice is very appropriate for an ankle that has swollen. If you have a swollen ankle but you didn't have an injury, uh, then a lot of times ice is not going to do anything. So uh, if you uh, use contrast, which is what you talked about, Jenna, um, that means five minutes of ice and maybe five to ten minutes of heat mm-hmm. at a time. Uh, that's what we, what we ask our athletes to do because it actually does increase the blood flow to the area. And so after 48 hours alternating uh, after an injury, 48 hours after an injury, alternating between ice and heat does have some physiologic uh, benefits. Oh. Uh, so because athletes are, are, you know, motivated to do everything they possibly can to get better and as quickly as possible. Which Mark can relate well, with yeah, because he is an athlete. Questions. Right. I, I'm a tennis player, contrast, so I'm, I'm an athlete. So yeah. he, he can relate with contrast that. Contrast will make sense. That's great. So some of the things that we also do, uh, unfortunately, because there's some misinformation out there, is if we have... Uh, a chronic nagging elbow pain or back pain or whatever, and you put ice on it, mm-hmm. well, just putting ice on that just kind of numbs it up a little bit. And it's like taking a, a Tylenol and saying, oh, I feel fine. I'll go out and and go golfing or go play tennis or go play football. I feel so great. And that exacerbates uh, the problem, though. It just is masking it, and yeah. then that's how we get into trouble. All right. Well, the book is The Miracle of Pain. And Dr. Smalley, we're glad to have you on the show today to talk about coronavirus and talk about your book. There's our music playing. So what we're going to do, everybody, uh, go to our Snack a Little page. It's on Facebook, at Snack a Little, and we're going to post the links for Dr. Smalley's book. And uh, you can also go to our Instagram page and our Twitter page, also at Snack a Little. So thanks, being, thanks for being on the show today, Doctor. Thanks for and asking. And there's a website, and we will post your website as well. It's been great talking to you, Doctor. All right, so be sure to check us out on all our social media, at Snack a Little. 
We'll tell, see you tell your friends, time. and we'll see you guys on next the next time. next time. Bye.